Good tidings, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Good Tidings Radio Broadcast. I am your radio pastor, Dr. David Pinkerton. I'm accompanied today by my wife, Dorinda. We're thankful to be in the studios of WXAN Radio here on the windswept hills of Ava, Illinois. You can find us on the FM dial at 103.9 FM, or you can find us on the internet at wxanradio.com. And when the page pulls up, click on Listen Live. We're glad you're tuned in today. Here we are, the 17th day of June, in the year of our Lord Jesus, 2023, the day before Father's Day. So we want to say Happy Father's Day to all of you fathers. And we want to say today, personally and especially, that we want to give a shout out to my father, Eugene Pinkerton. He lives in Kirksville, Missouri, with my mother, Helen Pinkerton. For They've been married for some 61-plus years. And a shout-out to my father-in-law, Robert Rubel, who lives in Kirksville, Missouri. And we're grateful for both of our dads. We're thankful that we have a country that still recognizes the importance of fathers, celebrates the importance of fathers, and understands that we have a loving heavenly father in heaven that created us in his own image and likeness and loves us and wants we men to be the fathers that God wants us to be. So we're praying today for our fathers. We're praying for all the fathers that are listening. And I'm not going to bring a Father's Day message today, but I want you to know that Dorinda and I are going to have a prayer here in a second for all the fathers, but we're praying for you. I have the privilege of being a father. You know my son is Brett Pinkerton of Buffalo, New York, and I'm honored to be his dad, and he's just the most wonderful young man or child that I could ever imagine, and he's made me so happy in my life and still does. He's just a wonderful guy. So I'm thankful for Brett, and I'm thankful that God allowed me to be a father, and I, I feel for you that maybe you're not a father, or you've lost your children, or maybe you couldn't have children. God wants you to know that he loves you, and you're just as valuable as and important in, to him, too. But why don't you reach out as a Christian father and try to be a mentor, a mentoring father, a spiritual father to someone, and lead them in the things of Christ and through the Scriptures and in prayer and teach people how to be saved and how to come to the knowledge of the truth and to focus their lives on Jesus. So you can be someone's spiritual father. So God bless all of you stepfathers and all of you that have taken the place of many children who need a loving father. God bless you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for all the fathers that are listening, those that we still have with us and we're grateful for. We're thankful, Father, for those that are listening today. And we pray a special blessing upon the fathers that they'll know you as Savior and be born again. And then they'll lead their wives and their families, lead, not push, but lead, lovingly lead their families through the green, lush green pastures of the Holy Bible by setting a godly example, by loving Jesus Christ first, themselves second, and then their spouses and their children and their great-grandchildren, grandchildren and their great-grandchildren, whatever the case may be. But bless the fathers and help them to know you celebrate them and bless them. Let they let them sense your presence afresh and new. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Open your Bibles today, please, to 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13. 1 John chapter 5 and verse number 13. We've noted a couple of weeks ago that we were going to start bringing a series of messages on salvation because we are literally convinced in our heart that many preachers, many Christians, many people do not understand the simplicity of God's plan of salvation in the Bible. And thus they confuse it, make it cloudy, and they distort the truth of the biblical definitions of salvation. Amen. And they confuse people on how to go to heaven. And the intent of these messages about salvation is for you to understand how simple God made it. Mm-hmm. Everything that I have been saying the last few weeks and that I will always say behind these mics are based totally, factually, and contextually accurately upon the Bible and can be justified in context and correct interpretation, rightly dividing the word of truth from the Holy Scriptures, the Bible. So listen closely. Listen closely. You may ask your pastor. You may ask the deacons. You may ask people in your church to listen to the Good Tidings radio broadcast because we will share the Word of God the way it is in the spirit of love and in truth and in simplicity so that everybody of all intellects can understand God's Word. Amen. So today, 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13, I want to speak to you this morning on you can know, K-N-O-W, you can know you are going to heaven. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13. Here's the proof. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. You know we spoke last week on what believe means, to trust in and to depend upon Jesus Christ and him alone for your salvation. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know, K-N-O-W, that ye have eternal life. Now, folks, this verse was written, this book, rather, 1 John, is written to Christians, not unbelievers, but believers. So it's not written to the lost person. It is possible to know for sure that you are going to heaven when you die. That's what God said. If you doubt that, then the burden of proof lies on you. And I urge you to read 1 John chapter 5, the entire chapter. Again, 1 John 5 and verse 13 alone. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have, have eternal life. Eternal life. The blind hymn writer. Fanny Fanny Crosby wrote of this assurance. She said, Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. To have this blessed assurance, a person must accept what the Bible says and do exactly what it commands. And you may be surprised at how easy and how simple it is. Are you ready to see what the Bible says? Then let's keep going. In the matter of salvation or having assurance of heaven, we must begin with God. There can be no understanding of or appreciation for the plan of salvation apart from God. 
The first thing I want you to write down and listen to. God says all men are sinners. The Bible states in Isaiah 53 and verse 6, All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. In Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, all For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now the word come short here means to miss the mark. How far we miss the mark is not the important thing. But the fact that we have missed it, that's the important piece. Think about this. When we were in high school, a person's grade average had to be so high for in order to pass that class. If you average anything less, you had to repeat that grade in some cases. Suppose one student, if the mark was at 70, suppose one student averaged 65 and another averaged 35. There's a 30-point difference there. Yet both are in the same predicament. They both are below the passing mark. They both miss the mark. When God looks down on human beings, mankind, made in His image and likeness, He says in the words of Romans 3.22, There is no difference. We may ask, Lord, what do you mean no difference? Well, some folks live better than others. Then God explains in verse 23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Suppose I hang a target on the wall and ask each person in the room to take a dart and do their best to hit the bullseye. Some miss the bullseye by an inch. Others miss it by a foot. Still others miss the whole target. No one hits the bullseye. When all the darts are thrown, I say, hey, there's no difference. And someone says, what do you mean there's no difference? I missed the bullseye by an inch. Dorinda missed it by an inch. I missed it by a foot. You missed it by three feet. Folks, there's no difference because all have come short of the bullseye. And in God's sight, there is no difference in the fact of sin. We may not commit the same sins, but we are all sinners. 1 John 1.8 says, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. And in verse 10 it says, If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. That's God. So, we see first and foremost, God says that all men are sinners. Secondly, God says that sin must be paid for. He says to Adam in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 17, In the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. In Romans chapter 6 and verse 23, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. God has declared that sin must be paid for, and that payment is death. This death is more than dying with a gunshot wound or with cancer. It is described in Revelation chapter 20 and verse 14 as the second death. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. If we pay what we owe as sinners, then we must die, go into hell, and stay there forever and ever and burn. That's the price that God demands for our sins. And the Bible does not say that the wages of sin is joining the church. Joining every church in town will not pay what we owe as sinners. The Bible does not say that the wages of sin is being baptized. We can be baptized by every denomination and church group in the world and in Jackson County. 
but that will not pay our sin debt. The Bible does not say the wages of sin is turning over a new leaf. Reformation is not salvation. And reforming would not pay our sin debt. The wages of sin is not performing good works. One could work a thousand lifetimes and never earn heaven. The Bible says plainly, the wages of sin is death. God has one payment for sin, and that is eternal death in the lake of fire. The only thing that we can do to pay our sin debt is that when we die, go into hell and stay there forever. Now that leaves us in a bad predicament, folks, we human beings. But there's a bright side to this story, praise God. So let's continue preaching, okay? So we're talking today on a very simple salvation message, how you can know you're going to heaven. The first thing you must realize, God says all men are sinners. Secondly, God says that sin must be paid for. Now, thirdly, God says that we are already condemned. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 18. The Bible says, He that believeth on him is not condemned. Or rather, I, I said 1 John. In John chapter 3 and verse 18, I'm sorry. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Some people have an idea that after death, God is going to weigh our good works against our bad works. Listen closely, friends. If the good, they think that if the good outweighs the bad, he will allow us into heaven. You listen closely. You may belong to a lodge, and you think that lodge that is very benevolent and supports good hospitals that provide medical care for people, which is outstanding. We thank, we thank God for that service. But if you think belonging and being a member of that lodge or that fraternal organization, which does that, is going to give you, put you in the good graces of God for salvation, my friend, you've been blinded by Satan. That's not how it works with the Bible. That's not what God teaches. That's a good thing, but it won't get your sins forgiven and get you into heaven. Listen closely. It's, that's called a good work if that's what you're depending on. If the good outweighs the bad, we think that God will allow us in heaven, or that if the bad outweighs the good. But folks, listen, that teaching is not found in the Bible. It's the Bible that we go to for getting the biblical definition of salvation. Think about this. Those who are not trusting Jesus Christ by faith and him alone are already condemned. John 3.18 warns, he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. The condemned criminal has been tried, found guilty, and sentenced. The only thing left for him to pay, or her to pay, is their debt to society. Then according to what God has said, I'm a sinner, my sins demand a payment, and that payment is death, the second death in the lake of fire. There is not a sentence that is going to be given me. It is a sentence that I already am under if I am not trusting Jesus Christ by faith as Savior. You are already condemned if you do not know Christ as Savior. 
Nothing else has to happen for you to die and be lost and go into hell, except for your heart to quit beating and you to cease from living. But friends, listen. The person who is not trusting Jesus Christ completely for salvation is waiting only for his or her heart to stop beating, and the moment it does, the soul and the spirit leave the body and go immediately to hell. The rich man in Luke chapter 16, verses 22 and 23, also died and was buried, and in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments. Sin must be dealt with. The question must be settled. So number four, how can an infinitely holy God forgive sin? The answer is, God does not forgive sin. Listen closely. God does not forgive sin. He forgives the sinner. Sin must be paid for. The word forgive means to bear the burden. If someone forgave me of a large debt, it means that they bore the burden. That is, they became responsible for the debt themselves. In order for an infinitely holy God to forgive the sinner, someone had to pay the debt. Someone had to bear the burden. That is where Jesus comes in. God took every sin that we've ever committed or will ever commit for every human being and laid those sins on Jesus 2,000 years ago. Isaiah 53, 6 says, The Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. The Bible says in 1 Peter 2 and verse 24, Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. Jesus Christ actually took all of our sins, past, present, and future, and bore them in his own body. God looked down through the telescope of time and saw every sin that we would ever commit. And he put those sins, if you would, in one big package and laid them on his son, Jesus Christ. He's called the propitiation for our sins, the sacrifice for our sins. Laid them on Jesus. That's called the vicarious sufferings of Christ, Isaiah 53. Folks, he laid those sins on Jesus, not the Baptist church, not the Christian radio station, not your denomination, not your lodge. He laid them on Jesus. Jesus bore our sins in his own body on the tree, shed his blood in our place. That is the simple, plain language of the Bible. The Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. While Jesus was on the cross bearing our sins in his own body, God punished him in our place to pay the debt that we owe so that when we die, we won't have to pay it. According to the Bible, God punished Jesus in our place so that we could escape the punishment. That is the meaning of John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So number five, consider this. How can we be sure that God was satisfied with the payment that Jesus made for our sins? That can be answered in three words. An empty tomb, praise God. An empty tomb. The prisoner is set the prisoner is not set free until his or her debt to society has been paid. When God raised Jesus from the dead, he said to the whole world, 
I'm satisfied with the payment my son made for your sins. In certain parts of the world, a merchant selling goods displays them on a counter or a table without a price tag being attached. When someone wishes to buy that item, they lay down some money. If the merchant's not satisfied with the payment, he leaves it lying on the table. Then the person wishing to buy the item adds more money. When enough is put down to satisfy the merchant, he reaches down and takes it up. He's saying, in essence, I am satisfied with the payment. When God raised Jesus Christ from the dead and took him back to heaven, he said to the whole world, I am satisfied with the payment my son made for your sins. Isaiah 53 and verse 10. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. The word pleased means satisfied. Isaiah 53:11. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. The death of Jesus Christ on the cross fully satisfied the just demands of a holy God. Now, we must either accept the satisfaction that Jesus made to God for our sins or satisfy God ourselves with some kind of work we think we must do, which he will not accept. And you must understand that on this side of the grave, friend. If we satisfy God ourselves, we must die, go into hell, and stay there forever and ever. That is the payment that God demands. Now, number six. What can we do to let God know that we, are, that we are satisfied with the payment that Jesus made for us? Well, listen closely, because we're speaking this morning that you can know you're going to heaven. Number six, if we try to add anything to what Jesus has done, listen closely. If we try to add anything to what Jesus has done, no matter how good the addition may be, we are saying to God, I am not satisfied with the payment Jesus made for me. And it is not the death of Jesus Christ on the cross plus baptism that saves anybody. It is Jesus alone. Acts 4.12, neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. If I'm trusting Christ plus baptism, then I'm not satisfied with the payment that Jesus made for my sins. To show that we are fully satisfied with the payment, we must cease trusting any and everything else and trust Jesus Christ alone as your personal Savior. We must cease trusting good works, no matter how good they may be. We must cease trusting church membership, no matter how good the church may be. We must cease trusting our good life, no matter how pure and noble it may be. To trust anything for salvation other than Jesus, uh, what Jesus did at Calvary is to say to God, I am not fully satisfied with the payment your son made for my sins, and I feel that I must add something else to it. That's exactly what you're saying when you think you must have your baptism or something else. In order to show God that you are satisfied with the payment that Jesus made for your sins, you must trust his son Jesus and him alone completely. Him alone and nothing else. In John chapter 3 and verse 36, he that believeth on the son, that's Christ, hath everlasting life. There is no promise in the Bible to those who partially believe on Jesus Christ. The promise is to those who believe. 
If I trust Jesus Christ 90% and something else 10%, the 10% destroys the 90%. The 10% says that to God I'm not fully trusting Christ. And the Bible says in John 3.18, He that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And then John 3.36 warns people, He that believeth not the Son shall not see life but the wrath of God abideth on him. Have you let God know that you're satisfied with the payment that Jesus made for your sins, and you've shown him that by trusting his son Jesus and him alone for your, as your Savior? If you would like to trust Christ alone, right now's the time. Follow me in this simple prayer, as we've seen in the Scripture, realizing you are a sinner. You stand before a holy God in need of forgiveness. And from the sincerity of your heart, call upon Jesus. Follow me with this prayer, simple prayer of faith. Jesus, please forgive me of all of my sins. Come into my heart and save me. I'm trusting you and you alone to be my personal Savior and take me to heaven. Amen. Amen. Now, if you've done that, then you've done what the Bible says and what we've been talking about, you've been born again. And I have some literature I'd like to send you free if you'll email me. My email address is drdave, D-R-D-A-V-E-1-3, at gmail.com. drdave13 at gmail.com. And I'll send you some free literature on steps in a new direction or some new material as a new Christian. So you can start living the Christian life. Now, ladies and gentlemen, it's been an honor and a privilege to be here on behalf of Dorinda and I. This is the Good Tidings radio broadcast every Saturday morning, Central Standard Time, 11 a.m., here on the airwaves of WXAN Radio, 103.9 FM. Pray for this station. Support this station prayerfully and financially as they play this good music, the best Christian music on this side of heaven and live to promote and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost world before Jesus comes. Ladies and gentlemen, have a wonderful day, and happy Father's Day to every one of you. God bless you. I bring you good tidings of great joy. Oh, yes. So fear not, fear not, but I bring tidings of great joy. I bring you the tidings of great joy. Oh, yes. The is finally here. Emmanuel. God is with He's us. He's with us. There's no need yes, he is. For unto you is born this day the Savior Christ our Lord. So fear not, fear not, but I bring you yeah, yeah. John.